Hello, and welcome to the Magic Music Review Podcast. I'm Jim Spangler, your host. Join me each episode as we talk about our love of Disney music. It could be a song, a movie, a short film, a Broadway show, a Disney theme park, or one of the countless other forms Disney music takes. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the journey through the magic of Disney music on the Magic Music Review. Jim Spangler here with the Magic Music Review. Uh, glad to be back. Um, and this week, I don't know if you recognize the music from the opening that we just played there, but this week we're going to be talking about the animated feature Dumbo, uh, one of my favorites. I think it's one of my favorites because it involves a circus. And, you know, circus are just full of nostalgia, uh, you know, and the romance of running away with the circus and all of that uh, history and mythology and, and just joy involved in that um, it wasn't too long ago, actually in May of 2017, that one of the most famous circuses closed down, per- made their final performance. That was the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus, which was really sad to see closed, but understandably times have changed and things have changed. But in this episode, we're going to talk about Dumbo, uh, the animated feature by Walt Disney Studios. Um, I love this movie. Uh, So let's get on it. So Dumbo was released in 1941. It's an animated feature produced by Walt Disney Productions uh, and released by RKO Pictures. It's the fourth Disney animated feature film, and it's based on a story that was made for a prototype of a novelty toy called a Rollabook, which we'll talk about in a bit. Its main character is Jumbo Jr., And he is an elephant, and he's cruelly named uh, Dumbo after the matriarch elephants see his huge ears, and he's made fun of. But he makes friends with a mouse named Timothy Q. Mouse, which kind of goes against, you know, the typical relationship, you know, the animosity between mice and elephants. Elephants are supposed to be scared of mice. So that's a nice change uh, that was made. Dumbo was released in New York on October. October 23rd, 1941, and then nationwide on October 31st, 1941. And it was made to recoup the financial losses of Fantasia and Pinocchio, which were released uh, and had trouble in Europe because of the war that was going on. We'll talk about the plot in just a little bit, but let's talk about the voice cast. Um, The title character of Dumbo uh, actually doesn't have a voice. There is no voice credit for it because Dumbo doesn't speak at all in this movie, which is really, truly amazing. If you think about the time and what they were doing, that they had a character, the main character, that never spoke a word. Edward Brophy was Timothy Q. Mouse. Uh, Verna Felton was the elephant matriarch, a very pompous leader of the elephants. Uh, She does it so well. 
uh, Cliff Edwards as Jim Crow, who is the leader of the Crows. Herman Bing is the ringmaster. Um, you know, and some people think of the ringmaster as the villain, but really he's not. Uh, he's just strict and kind of arrogant, but I don't know that he's really truly a, a villain in this. Um, Margaret Wright is credited with being Casey Jr., which is the train uh, that they ride. I love that, um, and I love the train in this. We'll talk more about that in a bit, too. Uh, truly a great character. Sterling Holloway is Mr. Stork, uh, and you'll know Sterling, Sterling Holloway from such things as Winnie the Pooh. Uh, so love Sterling Holloway. The Hall Johnson Choir is the Crow Chorus, and the King's Men sing the Roustabout Chorus. Um, and some others were Noreen Gamble, Dorothy Scott, Sarah Selby as Elephants, Malcolm Hutton as Skinny, Billy Bletcher as a Clown, and John McLeish as the narrator. What a great narrator to have, John McLeish. Dumbo is based upon a children's story. It was written by Helen Aberson and illustrated by Harold Pearl, and it was first prepared to demonstrate uh, a new toy called a Rollobox, which was kind of like a panorama, and it only had eight drawings and a few words uh, in it. But Disney, uh, when it was brought to his attention, um, really fell in love with the story and thought it would make a great heartwarming story and purchased the rights to it. It was originally intended to be a short film, but Disney soon found out that the only way to do the story justice was to make it a full-length feature. And at the time, Disney Studio was in serious financial trouble, like I talked about, due to the war in Europe. Um, Pinocchio and Fantasia both lost money at the box office and uh, were a, quote, failure um, there. So it was really, Dumbo was really intended to be low-budget uh, and designed to bring revenue into the studio. It was made for $950,000, and it actually brought in $1.6 million. So it did its job. It did a nice job of what it was supposed to do. Dick Humor and Joe Grant uh, were the primary drivers in developing the plot, and they actually wrote it in chapters, which is really unusual for a movie script, even if it is an animated movie. Um, but regardless of that, very little changed from its original draft, which is really impressive. It means they wrote a really good one. You know, we talked about uh, the animation being um, a little more simple. Uh, you know, it, didn't ha it doesn't have the detail that Pinocchio or Snow White and the Seven Dwarves or Fantasia had as the movies that came before it. And the reason was is they were trying to save money. Um, they started development in the spring of 41, at the beginning of 1941, and it came out in October. So that tells you how quickly they turned this movie out. That's really fast. Um, and when you watch the movie, you can see there's just not the detail in it. Um, one of my favorite examples of that is when they're loading the train from the winter home uh, in Florida to get everybody on the way to go put the circus tent up for their first stay at a town, outside of town. And there are no faces on any of the people loading up the animals, and many of the animals don't have faces, and the background is very flat, very boring, just not a lot happening. A tree here and there, a few hills, um, but really not a lot. And the whole point of it was to save money. They wanted to do a low-budget film to recoup their losses that they suffered during Pinocchio and Fantasia. I actually think that that, does, that serves this movie well. This movie doesn't need detail. The story is so sweet and so beautifully told that I don't think that um, the detail would have added anything to this feature. Uh, he did, Walt did bring in live animals into the studio for his animators to learn how to draw 
you know, how the animals move. He brought in elephants and camels and different things so that we could see, they, his animators could see how they moved and learn uh, from that. When they wanted to release the film, RKO Movies actually wanted them to make it a B-reel movie or cut it down to be a short. Um, Dumbo started out to be a short, as I said, but uh, it ended up being expanded to 64 minutes in length. It's one of the shortest feature films that Disney has ever made. Um, and RKO really wanted it to be a B-movie, what they call a B-movie, a B-reel. But Disney refused that and stood firm, and RKO Pictures finally released it as an A-reel uh, feature, which is really great. Before we talk about the music of this movie and the plot, I think we really need to understand the history of circus music. Um, circus music has a great long history, and just to kind of help give a little base for what we're listening to and maybe help us appreciate the art of what they did a little bit more. Circuses have been around for a really long time, and at first, cir circus music was played um, alongside the acts, and it was played by woodwinds and strings. Um, but by the 1830s, these ensembles were replaced by brass bands. They could play louder, they could play higher, they could be more bombastic. Um, and it made for a unique pairing with the circus uh, for excitement. Um, these musicians would travel with the circus uh, in special caravans, uh, especially designed. They were called bandwagons, um, which is where that term comes from. When you join the bandwagon, you're joining the circus band. Uh, and they were in charge of announcing the circus arrival in town. Um, and they became known also as wind jammers, uh, which was because they were jamming as much air as possible through that instrument to make them play as loud and high and fast as they possibly could. Uh, a little bit later, um, they were playing tunes that were specifically called screamers. And in the mid-19th century, uh, horse-pulled calliopes, an instrument that uh, uses whistles via steam power, found a regular place in the circus band. Um, which was also because they could play loud and high and fast. Uh, and especially the calliope, since it was being powered by steam, didn't have to take breaths, didn't have to rest, didn't ever wear out. Mostly, the music was composed in the 20th century of what we consider traditional circus music. Um, and it draws from rags and waltzes and marches and many other dance uh, tunes. Um, a popular circus composer uh, was Carl King, um, who was also a, just a famous march composer, one of the kings of the marches, so to speak. Sorry about the, the joke there, not meant to be a joke. But his circus tune, Barnum and Bailey's Favorite, was written specifically for the Barnum and Bailey Circus, and it became their title song, the song that you recognize and know as Barnum and Bailey's Circus. And... and King actually played the euphonium and played in the band himself, which is really amazing. So let's listen to a little bit of Barnum and Bailey's favorite, uh, a tune I'm sure that you will all recognize. <laughs> Fillmore is another famous march composer, um, and he wrote a piece called Rolling Thunder. 
he played the trombone, and his father believed that the trombone was the sound of sin, but that didn't stop Henry Fillmore at all. Um, and so let's listen to a little bit of Fillmore's Rolling Thunder, which I think that you will recognize. <laughs> Most circus goers, uh, if you've ever been to a circus, uh, you kind of perk up when you hear our next tune because you know it means that the clowns are coming out. Um, and it's called Entrance of the Gladiators. It was actually written by a Czech composer, Julius Fuchik, uh, in 1897 um, and became very popular. And in 1901, it was arranged in the United States and was called Thunder and Blazes. Uh, but it's still the same tune. And it really is the choice for the clowns entering the circus, uh, which is really great. I know that you'll recognize it. It's a lot of fun. So here is Thunder and Blazes. Another great march composer, probably the greatest American march composer and most famous, is John Philip Sousa. And his music regularly appears in circus music repertoire, um, except for one, which is probably his most famous piece of music that he ever wrote. Which is Stars and Stripes Forever. The only time you ever hear or would ever hear Stars and Stripes Forever in a circus is in a, if an emergency happened, like a lion was on the loose. Um, the circus band would alert the employees by playing Stars and Stripes Forever, and they would know that that means that there was an emergency. Um, is the only time you'd hear that piece. Uh, these days, circuses don't really hire live musicians. They're very expensive and definitely expensive to keep and travel with. Um, and they've decided to replace those wind players with recordings. There are a few circuses that still have um, live musicians. Uh, the most famous probably being Cirque, um, Cirque du Soleil, uh, which uses a live band in every one of their shows. And they actually use a form of a rock band in most of them. Um, they do have some brass instruments and some and string instruments, uh, but mainly um, it's a rock and roll uh, style of band and singers uh, to sing the music that they've got. It's always very unusual, very stylized, um, very avant-garde circus music, uh, which is a lot of fun to listen to, but it certainly is not traditional circus marches. If you want to hear a circus march today played by a band a great place to go is Peru, Indiana. In Peru, Indiana, they have the Peru Circus, which is a circus of kids, and they spend their whole spare time at this circus, 
training for different acts. They have high wire acts. They have aerialists. They have trapeze artists. They have um, the tightrope walkers, which is different than a high wire act. I didn't know that until I saw this circus, but that is a true statement. They've got clowns. They've got, you know, jugglers. They It's just amazing, and it's all kids, and they work all the time. But they have a live band that plays traditional circus music. Uh, and Peru actually used to be the winter home of a circus. And so uh, it's a great tradition there, and a lot of great circus performers have come through there. Uh, they have won, many of their acts have won many international competitions and world championships. Just a really great place. So if you ever get into Peru, Indiana, uh, be sure to try to check out the circus, the Peru circus, um, especially during the summer. Uh, it's very, very cool, and it's so neat to see a traditional, old-fashioned circus still today. A lot of fun. So now that we've listened to a little bit of um, circus music, let's talk about the movie. And let's talk about the mu- music in the movie. So the music was written by Frank Churchill and Oliver Wallace. Uh, and they did a brilliant job of capturing the circus and the excitement of the circus and different aspects of it. Uh, really, really wonderful job. Um, as was shown in the music that I played at the very beginning, such a great introduction, such a great circus march. Um, I love that introduction uh, music. So much fun. But let's start going through. And so after we get that introduction, um, we have a song called Look Out for Mr. Stork. The circus is at their winter home, and all the animals are awaiting the arrival of their babies. New babies, so cute. Uh, And they are all being flown in by storks. And while we are watching the storks fly them in, we're hearing this song, Look Out for Mr. Stork. So sweet, so innocent, uh, just really nice. This is sung by the sportsmen. Um, in the movie, you see the storks flying, and they make different formations uh, while they're flying in, and then they drop off all the babies by parachute. Uh, so let's listen to a little bit of Look Out for Mr. Stork. Look out for Mr. Stork, a persevering chap, to come along and drop a bundle in your lap. You may be poor or rich, it doesn't matter which. Millionaires, they get theirs, like the butcher and the baker, so look out for Mr. Stork. And let me tell you, friend, don't try to get away. He'll find you in the end. He'll spot you out in China or he'll fly to County Court. So you better look out for Mr. Stark. So sweet. Such a great tune. Um, so after that happens, it's time to go out. Well, first of all, we need to know that Mrs. Jumbo, the elephant, did not get a baby. She does not have a baby yet, but she is obviously expecting. She has a little bonnet and a blanket. She obviously looks very different than the other elephants who have fancy headdresses on. So, um, and she has not received her baby yet. But it's time to load up the circus train and time to go off on tour. Uh, And so we get the song Casey Jr., which is also sung by the sportsman. Such a great song. It is driven by the sound of a steam engine and that driving of that steam engine. It's great. Uh, They're loading up the circus. Um, All the animals have their own special wagons that they get into, uh, and it's a lot of fun. This is also where we hear Casey Jr.'s voice. Uh, We hear it say, all aboard, and we hear um, it go, woohoo! We also hear it 
uh, say, I think I can, I think I can. I just love this piece. So much fun and such a great image um, of loading up the train to go for the circus. A lot of excitement and a lot of energy. So let's listen to a little bit of this. This is Casey Jr. Casey Jr. and we get going, we finally get the delivery of Jumbo Jr. Um, Sterling Holloway the sto- plays the stork. He brings this heavy bundle of joy to Mrs. Jumbo. Um, and he even sings Happy Birthday to him. Such a cute version of Happy Birthday. Uh, not on the recording, unfortunately, just in the movie. Just very sweet, very cute. Um, and all the elephants are very excited for Mrs. Jumbo until... Jumbo Jr. sneezes, and they see his ears, and they think that it's just about the worst thing they've ever seen, and they make fun of him, and they call him Dumbo, Um, and that's how he gets his name, Dumbo. So, not very nice, not a very nice way to get your name. But after all this happens, we finally get to where the circus is going to be put up. It's the middle of the night, uh, and it's time to raise the big top, Um, and it's called the Roustabout Song. And I love that at the beginning of this, we hear the plinking of the rain falling. So you can, so you figure out that it's going to take a lot of work, and it's not exactly fun work in the rain. Um, I also love the fact that the roustabouts, true to what the history of that is, hit the spikes into the ground in rhythm and in rhythm of this song. So. That's actually what they did. They would take turns hitting these huge spikes into the ground, um, and they had to keep a rhythm. And they would do chants and songs to do that. So that's what the tradition of this roustabout song is all about. And we see everybody working, including the um, elephants working. And we see how hard it is to get this done. And we can hear it. It's a lot of effort, you know, with this rhythmic work song that's going on. Um, and it really fits well until the very end when we see them raise the big top and it's time for people to come and see the circus. So let's listen to a little bit of the Roustabout song. Thank you. 
the next thing we have is the Circus Parade. And as we talked about when we talked about the history of circus music, it was the band's job to announce the arrival of the circus, to get people excited about coming to see the circus. And so um, we have the Circus Parade. Uh, every circus would have a parade. It would go right down the center of Main Street, and people would follow it right to the grounds of the circus, which is what the circus wanted. They needed people to fill the seats. Um, it is a business, after all, right? So this is the ideal sound of a circus parade, um, this circus parade song. Uh, I love it. I love that they use a calliope in it, uh, so you get that traditional calliope sound. Uh, within this. I also love that you can hear the cheering crowds in the background. So great and fun. Um, and I love that there's a specific sound for each section of the circus. The animals have a sound. The elephants marching have a sound. Um, the clowns have a sound. Uh, all of Everything has its own feel in this piece. So good. Um, and I love that the clowns are definitely clowns. Right, They are definitely there to make you laugh, and the music really has that playful aspect to them, um, which is just so much fun. So let's listen to a little bit of Circus Parade and, and see how great the composers did with this circus march. So the next couple pieces on the uh, agenda are um, really background uh, for the movie, and I want to talk about that just a touch. Um, and I want to talk about it because they really simplified down what the background is in this movie. Um, it's very cartoonish, cartoony almost. Um, it's beautiful and, you know, really captures each moment, um, and you really can tell what the moment is without having to see what the moment is, which is what it's supposed to do, right? It's supposed to capture the mood of those times, and I really, really like um, what they did with this music. I think they did a beautiful job with it um, without overriding it and making it too complicated. Um, so we're not going to listen to any of this, but they can be very playful. They can share a lot of love. They use different instruments, uh, to make those playful sounds or those sad sounds, um, things dramatic. Um, at one point, you can hear Mrs. Jumbo getting angry and going berserk, which causes her to get put into solitary confinement and basically separated from Dumbo, which is really sad. Uh, so, you know, all of those background pieces are just so important and so nice. So after this happens, uh, Dumbo is obviously very sad, and he meets up with Timothy Q. Mouse. Um, and Timothy has decided that Dumbo is going to be a star. Uh, gonna be a star! I love that. Uh, and so, the ringmaster comes up with an idea to make a pyramid of pachyderms. Uh, but after the pyramid is made, he doesn't know how to end it. Uh, and so he goes to sleep, and Timothy Q. Mouse creeps in 
and whispers in his ear that he should have the littlest pachyderm, Dumbo, jump up onto the top of the pyramid and wave a flag, and that that would be the perfect ending. So the ringmaster wakes up, says he has this brilliant idea, and that's exactly what they do. Um, And I want to listen to this. The song is called Pyramid of Pachyderms. It is such a great circus, what we call chase music, and you'll understand when you hear it. Uh, Full of energy and excitement, uh, really definitely circus music, so captures the the essence of what a circus chase is so beautifully um, and lets us know that we're seeing something special. Needless to say, doesn't go as planned, and because of Dumbo, uh, they actually crash the Pyramid of Pachyderms and bring down the whole big top. But uh, listening to this music is so joyful and fun. So let's listen to a little bit of Pyramid of Pachyderms. elephants have crashed because of Dumbo. Uh, The elephants shun Dumbo and say that he is no longer an elephant. Ugh, so sad. I hate that. Um, But what that does is bring us to the beautiful song called Baby Mine. It's really the only time in the movie that uh, we hear a woman singing. Most of the songs are sung by men. And it is so simple and so beautiful and everyone can relate to what's being said you can either relate to it as a parent or you can relate to it as a child um and you know timothy brings dumbo to see his mother in solitary confinement she reaches out her trunk and cradles her child and rocks him while we hear baby mine and we also see the love of the other animals with their children So touching, so beautiful. I think one of the greatest songs in the library of Disney songs. This one is right at the top. Um, It's so good. It is definitely one of the top songs. Uh, So let's listen to a little bit of Baby Mine. Your head. 
Oh, God, I love that song. It is so beautiful, and it's just heart-wrenching. So lovely. Just, just, oh, it touches your heart. The next thing that we get is we get the clown song. Um, and I want to talk about this because it's so fun. Um, it's so playful and energetic and just clown-like. It is so much fun. Um, they use a squeeze box for one of the instruments, which is a great choice, the humor of a squeeze box. Um, it's a very much so an oompa song um, and very fun, uh, very dance-like. Uh, and then they sing about getting a raise, which I think is hysterical. Um, you know, they're going to make this poor little elephant jump from a 400-foot tower, tower, flaming tower, right? So great. And they're convinced they're going to get a raise for it. Uh, but let's listen to a little bit of the clown song. I think it's such a great contrast to what we just listened to with Baby Mind. And just so much fun. Very playful. So here you go. Here's the clown song. Oh, we're going to hit the big one for a raise. Yes, we're going to hit the big boss for a raise. So after all of this, uh, Dumbo is very dejected and Timothy Q. Mouse is trying to cheer him up um, and, and raise his spirits and they decides they need to get a, he needs to get a drink. But unbeknownst to them, the clowns have spilt their liquor into the water uh, tub. So they drink the water, and it's obvious um, with one drink that Dumbo is getting drunk. And then Timothy falls in, and he gets drunk, uh, and it leads us to the infamous Pink Elephants on Parade. Um, so good, very much so in th- the tradition of Heffalumps and Woozles, actually, obviously, way before Heffalumps and Woozles. Uh, and if you listen to Heffalumps and Woozles, you can definitely hear the influence of Pink Elephants on Parade with it, um, which is a lot of fun uh, to kind of connect those things, to know that, that those animators and those writers looked back at what had been done, which Disney does a lot of that, looks back at their history to bring things into the current. But Pink Elephants on Parade, I love the march quality. Um, I love the fanfare opening. I love that the fanfare is played by elephant trunks. They're playing their trunks. All the instruments that we see are some form of the elephant trunk, uh, which is so much fun. Um, They use the image of music coming from the trunks, which is great. Um, and that's what we hear. It's kind of a silly march with funny sounds and lots of mutes being used on the brass instruments. Um, and when the singing starts, uh, like I said, it it actually makes me think of like the Haunted Mansion. kind of has that scary, eerie quality to it. Kind of that classic, scary Disney sound. Um, it's very classic in that sense. Um, I love that they have belly dancing elephants. Um, I love that they have dancers, like ballet dancers, that then move into ice skaters, and the music really plays to those um, things. Uh, I love that we have a rumba section in this, um, which really is a fun throwback to like the nightclub scenes that you would see in movies where the big pack of people are just dancing all in the center um, you know and they'd move around as a mob um, you know I often think of Ricky Ricardo uh, and I love Lucy when I hear this music in that kind of a nightclub scene uh, so great that they put that in this piece of music um, so let's stop talking about Pink Elephants on Parade and let's listen to Pink Elephants on Parade here we go. Look out! Look out! 
We gallop and sound parade. Here they come, hippity hoppity. They're here and there. They gallop and everywhere. Look out, look out. They're walking around the bed on their head. Clippity cloppity. Parade, in braid. They gallop and sound parade. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view. I can stand the sight of worms and look at microscopic germs, but Technicolor pachyderms is really too much for me. <laughs> I am not the type to faint when things are odd or things are quaint, but seeing things you know that ain't can certainly give you an awful fright. What a sight! Chase them away! Chase them away! I'm afraid. Need your aid, big elephants on parade. Big elephants. Big elephants. So after that, um, we find Timothy, Q Mouse, and um, Dumbo up in a tree, literally up in the branches of a tree. The crows discover them and at first make fun of them, or like, what are you doing up in our tree? Uh, and talk about seeing, you know, uh, that an elephant flew up in the tree. Um, and Timothy Mouse and Dumbo fall out of the tree um, when they are shocked by the fact that they're up in the tree. Uh, but nobody can figure out how they got up there um, until Timothy is like, you must have flown. It must have been your ears, and you must have flown um, up the, that tree. Uh, and then comes the song that everybody knows, uh, When I See an Elephant Fly. Uh, it's the song that you walk out of the theater singing because it's it's the end credits. It's what they sing at the end. But it's just such a catchy, great tune. Ugh. They're so encouraging to Dumbo to try to get him to fly. Um, the wordplay in this song is so great. So listen carefully to the words and what they're saying and the images of what they're saying. And remember, they're crows. To them, these are literal things, right? A vegetable truck. To them, it's a vegetable truck, right? So great. All of those um, images that they create uh, through their uh, naivete trying to be sophisticated, right? I love it. It's so much fun. So enough talk. Let's listen to a little of When I See an Elephant Fly. <laughs> Did you ever see an elephant fly? <laughs> well, I've seen a horse fly. Ah, I've seen a dragon fly. <laughs> i seen a house fly. <laughs> yeah, I've seen all that. I seen a peanut stand and heard a rubber band. I seen a needle that winked its eye. But I be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. What you say, boy? I said when I see an elephant fly. I seen a front porch swing, heard a diamond ring. I seen a polka dot railroad tie. But I be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. I saw a clothes horse, they rap and buck. And they tell me that a man made a vegetable truck. I didn't see that. I only heard. Just to be sociable, I'll take your word. I heard a fireside chat. I saw a baseball man. And I just laughed and I thought I'd die. <laughs> but I'll be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. So we finally get um, ele the elephant flying. Dumbo finally flies with a, the help of a magic feather. 
that Timothy Mouse gives him, that the crows have given him, um, that he has this magic feather. And they fly back to the circus. Uh, and then we are back in the circus, the act where he's supposed to jump out of the flaming tower, right? The really tall tower onto this tiny little um, trampoline-type catch, uh, which is going to break into a tub of water. Uh, and the building is on fire, and it's very scary, and the baby, you know, the mama elephant is running around going, my baby, my baby, save my baby, uh, which is so great and so typical of cartoons of that time. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, so finally, Dumbo jumps, and when he jumps, he drops his feather. He loses the feather, the magic feather. And then Timothy has to tell him that the feather was never magic, um, that he was always able to fly, and that all he has to do is open up his wings and he'll be able to fly. And guess what? That's exactly what happens. Right before he lands, hits the bottom, uh, he swoops out and soars out over the audience to everyone's amazement he chases all of those clowns around that were so mean to him um he surprises everyone and becomes the star of the circus we see headlines about him we see timothy q mouse being uh rich and uh as his manager it's all a happy ending at the end of the movie we get the uh, when I see an elephant fly reprise we see the train pulling away uh, and at the end of the train we see a brand new car caboose with Mrs. Jumbo on the back it's the silver streamline uh, car and Dumbo is flying behind it and then Dumbo flies down into an embrace with his mother it's so great and everybody's cheering him on even the matriarch elephants are saying great things about him uh, which is the second time that we hear women sing and the only other time very short time but we end with the crows uh singing when i see an elephant fly and l if you watch the movie listen carefully to what they say at the end i'm not sure that we'll get to that point in listening to the music but really some very funny dialogue at the very end talking about getting his autograph um, really, really cute and well done. They wrote so many great circus marches for this movie, um, and that's not an easy style or an easy sound to do. Uh, it took people a long time to do those, and some of the greatest marches are from our greatest march composers. So really, this movie and the music in it is quite astounding at what they were able to capture um, as far as a sound goes. I think that they deserve a lot of credit for making that happen and making that uh, really work. You know, Churchill and Wallace really did a beautiful job um, with it. Well, that's it for this episode of the Magic Music Review. We talked about Dumbo. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope maybe you learned a little bit about circus marches and a little bit about, you know, circuses. Uh, and most of all, I hope you just enjoyed listening to the music. Um, feel free to comment on my Facebook page. Uh, it's Magic Music Review, so facebook.com slash magicmusicreview. I'm also on Twitter. I am at Disney Music Dude uh, on Twitter, so reach out to me there. Uh, you can also go to my website, which is www.magicmusicreview.com and leave a comment right there uh, with the podcast. Um, I definitely want to hear from you. I want to hear your opinions, your ideas. 
Um, I want this to be a conversation and not just a one-way me blathering on and you listening. Uh, So feel free to reach out and give me your opinion. You know, maybe you don't like Dumbo. Maybe it's your least favorite Disney film, and that's okay. Uh, Also, you know, the great thing about art is that everybody has an opinion about it, and every opinion is valid. We don't have to agree with each other. Um, We just have to be respectful of each other's opinions. So also, I would love it if you would go out to iTunes and review the podcast. Um, I would really appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes. Um, that really helps other people find this podcast and share the love and joy of Disney music that we have. So please go out to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and review. I would truly appreciate that. A friendship will never die. That wraps up this episode of the Magic Music Review, uh, Season 2, Episode 3, about Dumbo. Um, I hope you enjoyed it, and I look forward to our next episode. Until then, I'll talk to you later. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. soon. Why? Because we like you. And-